0: Good morning. Um, Many of you are like, I have no idea who that girl is. Um, If you have started coming in the last 12 weeks, uh, I was gone because I had a baby. My name is Reagan Gillen, and I'm married to Scott, so Thrive probably hasn't been as good the last three months, so here. You should still stay. Um, But uh, yeah, so I, I had a baby. It was great. I loved my time away, and I just wanted to take Few moments to say thank you to those that um, sent cards or checked in or brought us meals. Thank you so much, um, and that just your support to our whole family and and all of that. We just we could feel your love and your presence, and I really appreciate. It. Like none of you really texted me to like ask questions, and so it was it was nice that I just got that time with Jude. And so again, just thank you, Scott, and I just love y'all so so much. Um, I also want to say thank you to Stephen and Libby who lit our Advent uh, candle because our original family canceled out um, this morning, got a text about 5.45 this morning, and so when you're like, because uh, their child was sick, um, you know, some of you get like texts from me randomly like, hey, since I know you really well, can you help me do this? So it's kind of a plus and minus knowing us well, um, but Libby and Stephen are actually expecting their first kid, like any day now. So very exciting. So I'm glad they made it, although it would have been really cool if you were at the hospital. So um, this morning, um, as I talked about, we are talking about peace. And when I started thinking about the word peace, I realized that most likely if I were to take a survey in the room, what does peace mean to you? Most likely I would get so many different answers. I feel like peace probably has Um, Different meaning, everyone has their different version of peace. For some of you, peace is probably um, sitting on a beach listening to the waves. That is your ultimate peace. For some of you, it's maybe hiking in the middle of nowhere. For some of you, it's that first cup of coffee in the morning. Um, For some of you, it's um, hiding in your closet from your children, um, eating a piece of candy because you don't want to share. You know, everyone has their own version of what peace means to them. Thanks for that delayed laugh. That's good. (laughs) Um, And then for some, sadly, peace really is not hearing gunshots or planes or arguing or um, just violence. So peace, again, is a funny thing because I think many many of us feel like we can't really have it. We can't really experience it. Fully, the way that maybe we read or we sing about, we can't really have that. But I feel like we can. I feel like we can experience it, even though sometimes the world feels like it's a dumpster fire right now. I believe that even in the midst of our chaos, maybe we can have peace, that maybe we just need to reframe it or look at peace a little bit different. And so today, the question for you is probably, is peace really possible in 2019? And I have to say, yes, I think it is. And so I want to look at some familiar stories today, some familiar passages that maybe resonate with where you are today and how you experience and, and know peace. But first of all, you know, one of the names, there's a lot of different names for, for Jesus Christ, but one is Prince of Peace. So it's in the name, so you think, surely, surely he brings it. Surely there is some sort of peace. And so then I started Googling What does peaceful Jesus look like? And so I think we have a few images for you. Let's see. Maybe. Oh, it's up there. I was looking at myself. I'm pretty. There's a picture of me down there. Um, Just distracted. It's fine. (laughs) New toys. Okay. So look, I I love like the the color palette that's always used for peaceful Jesus. You know, there's always like the orangey, yellow. And doesn't he look so... Peaceful, just hanging out in a field. Okay, we have a ne- the next one. By himself, again. Again, if you're an introvert, you're like, this looks amazing. So calm. Again, orange, yellow. Okay, there's usually children. There's a lamb. There's a rainbow in the background. Very Again, very peaceful. The kids are laughing. Um, do we have one more? Is that the last one? Okay, of course, holding. That does not look peaceful to me when I think about holding If you've ever gone to a petting zoo, like that doesn't happen, right? They're like that and then pooping on you. It's not peaceful at all. Again, same. Kids, again, heavenly glow. Very peaceful. I love it. And so I think, I'm like, that is a Jesus I can get on board. He looks like he just went on vacation without kids. He went to Napa Valley. It was a great vacation. He looks good. So when I started thinking about a text that makes me think about just gives me that peaceful feeling uh, of, about who Christ is. I look um, to Isaiah chapter 9, and that's going to be our first passage of the day, which is probably going to seem pretty familiar, especially if you come to church on Christmas Eve, so which most of, us, most of us do. So um, here is uh, chapter 9, verses 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So again, you most likely have heard this passage maybe one at one time or another, and It's sad to me that we only read it really at Christmas time or during Advent because to me, it's one of my absolute favorite passages. And it's so short, it's so short, but I feel like it captures so much of who Christ is and and who Christ offers to be. It does make me feel kind of warm and fuzzy because when I think, you know, when I'm at my wits end and I need some advice, I need some guidance, He really is my counselor. I feel like I get what I need. And when I'm feeling weak, when I need to draw on some strength, he is absolutely mighty. And I know that he is forever, that even though he's not here on earth walking around like us, he is everlasting. And yes, he is Prince of Peace. He brings me peace, even when I feel like I can't have it. And I love that he rules with fairness and justice. All of that, I love this passage. I love it. This is the kind of passage that I want to read when I'm in the valley, when I'm confused, when I'm broken, when I'm hurting, when I'm angry, all of that. I go to this passage because I feel like, ah, this is who Christ is. Because sometimes I don't feel like reading through all the gospels and reading all the different stories. I go straight here and I'm like, ah, that, that is who my Lord is. And so the realization of this, it does bring me peace. It does bring me peace to know who he is. But, several chapters later, in Isaiah 53, we read a little bit more about Christ and what he kind of endures. And so I want you to listen to this. So this is Isaiah 53, um, verses 1 through 12, which I may not end up reading all 12. I may get tired. We'll see. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Side note, that's why they say that Jesus was probably not very good looking. Just that's trivia for you, like to tell people, did you know Jesus was not good looking? And see what people say. Okay, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, um, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before this year's, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for, for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a good life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his lands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. Because he exposed himself to death, he was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Sounds super peaceful, doesn't it? Like, does it make you want to curl up with a cup of coffee and read this to your kids before they go to bed at night? No, not really. That was supposed to be funny. It's okay. But it's, it's such a stark, you know, when you compare it to the other one, you're like, Oh. What happened to this like mighty God, peaceful, all of this? And then you read really what kind of happens in his life like that. That doesn't seem to match up. That doesn't seem very peaceful. When I read that, I feel like, gosh, his life was pretty disruptive. Things were pretty chaotic, scary, downright, you know, painful. He had so much grief. And Christ, who brought peace, faced trials unlike any other person who has ever walked this earth. And so I look at that and I think, huh, really the Prince of Peace? You get nothing about his life. I don't, did he experience peace himself? But I think there's something about who Christ was and is, the way that he faces all that chaos, all that hurt, and all that pain head on. And I think it begins with his birth story. Now, we love to read um, the story of his birth, especially at this time, because that's what Christmas is about, Um, especially if you love the Luke rendition of of his birth. You know, we love the, the shepherds and the angels in the sky singing and the bright star and the magi coming. We love all of that peaceful, heavenly, joyful part of his story. And so when I think about the night he was born, I want you to kind of use your imagination right now. In my head, I feel like when they were, his sweet little family was in Bethlehem, it was so absolutely quiet. I always envisioned that he was born in the middle of the night, I don't know why, I guess because of the stars and all of that. And I imagine it was so eerily quiet and peaceful. And all of a sudden, and he's born And there's that first cry, you know? I don't know if you've been in the room when a baby was born, but that cry, that first cry, all the parents in the room can say, "Ah," that is the most incredible sound. And when either your spouse or maybe the doctor says, it's a boy, it's a girl, whatever, it's, it's incredible. You have to think, Mary and Joseph hear this cry and they realize, oh my gosh, the Messiah is here. Peace is here, mighty God, everlasting, all of that is is here, is here now on earth. And I imagine that Mary took Jesus and you know, skin to skin, I guess, in modern terms. And and it's right there so they could bond, so Jesus could be fed. And I'm sure Joseph makes what he can, a comfortable spot for Mary to lay down. And for a moment, I feel like it was probably all right in the world. Again, it was quiet. It was perfect with this family. But then some things changed. See, we stop with the birth story there. We don't like to read the rest of it. But I think it's important. It's important for us to know what this family went through. So if you read in the different Gospels and you can see what happens afterwards, we know that um, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day as custom presented in the temple. But here's the part that many people forget is that then Joseph has a dream and an angel of the Lord appears says, you need to take your family and flee to Egypt because Herod is looking for the child and he will kill him. So <clears throat> we don't know what day this happened. I'm going to say... 10 days postpartum. Now Libby, I'm going to call you 10 days after you have your baby and say, how would you like to get on a donkey with Steven and go to Arizona by foot? I'm going to see what your response is. Probably won't be too happy. Of course, in modern terms, I was thinking, what if you told a new mom that right now? She'd be like, great. Okay, let me get the boppy and the vibrating chair and the swing and the mamaroo and the receiving blankets. And, you know, like, it's just chaos to think about. Like, okay, I'm, hun- I'm ready, hun. But this family, they had to flee. It was not peaceful. It was not wonderful. I'm sure it was so chaotic. And so that perfect piece of his birth story didn't last or did it? I had to ask myself, or did it? Did it really just disappear in that moment? And Mary and Joseph were continually living in this chaos? But I realized that Jesus, the newborn babe, when he came crashing into this chaotic world with power dynamics and fighting and killing and fear and worry and doubts and so much more, when he was born, it didn't just go away. It didn't just stop. In fact, I feel like Peace didn't really come, that, but at the same time, you know, peace did come, but the tension really was rising. When you read this story, you're like, gosh, why is there so much tension? Imagine when Mary and Joseph are running, they're periodically looking over their shoulders to see if anyone's following them. You know, their heart rate was so fast, their breaths were short, they probably had to whisper to one another in the dark because they had to hide. And so I started thinking, gosh... Again, did Christ really bring peace? Because this does not seem very peaceful. But I want us to go back to this image of Mary holding baby Jesus. And I want you to envision her and Joseph fleeing Egypt. And so she's running and she's looking and she just knows there's chaos and danger everywhere she looks. Maybe you feel like that. But in Her very hand is the literal prince of peace. She's got him. And he knows the sound of her heart, her voice, her smell. He knows her so intimately. And he knows us intimately as well. And so why she sees this danger and chaos, she's got this prince of peace in her arms and so she continues to put one foot in front of the other, knowing she's got something within her. And I think for us, we have to realize we have to face the chaos. We have to look at the fear around the world, and we have to look it straight in the eye. We have to lean into the grief and trials. We cannot be like ostriches that just bury our heads in the sand. I think we have to look at it and continue to move forward, knowing that we've got this peace of Christ in our hearts even if it's a small whisper, even if it seems such like a small force, it is there. We have this peace of Christ. It is promised to us, and we can have it. And I know many of you think, Reagan, this seems silly. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. And I probably don't. I probably don't fully understand what you have gone through, what you're going through. But I want us to go back thinking that peace can look different to all of us. It doesn't mean everything goes away. But we can have these moments of peace that get us through each day. For me, peace is when my feet hit the floor in the morning. And just that simple realization, I made it another day. I get to have another day. Even if yesterday was bad and it was chaotic, I have this moment of peace. I get... I get to have another day. Peace is that first cup of coffee, for sure, absolutely. Peace is the hug I get from Scott. Peace is hearing my daughter giggle as she tells the same joke again, over and over. Guess what? What chicken butt, a thousand times. But <laughs> makes me laugh every time. And then she goes, boom, roasted. That's how she ends it. It's, it's awesome. Peace is when Jude falls asleep on me. Peace is getting hard news and being able to smile still. Peace is feeling like I have no control over the six months. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I know what I'm going to eat tonight. So that gives me some peace. Peace is reading the Holy Scriptures and knowing that God really is with us. This week I was reading a blog, which I shared on my Facebook, so many of you might have read it, so spoiler alert, I'm going to read some of it, uh, from this writer, um, author, and speaker Sarah Bessie, and I think she kind of lays out why Advent is still so important, even though things are so chaotic and maybe hard around us, and she says this, so here's what we listen for and what we mark and why we wait and light candles and read scripture in preparation over these long winter nights. That the love, the peace, the joy, the hope is possible and it's real and it's breaking in among us already. God is with us. Advent is the church's way of observing and remembering, of marking the truth. We believe that God came to be with us once and God is still with us. And God is coming again to set all things right. Advent holds the truth of what is right now up to the truth of what was and what will be. It is declaring that we believe it still. God is redeeming all that is broken in us and curing all that is sick in us and bringing all that is dead in us to life. It's because of this promise that we can light candles in the pressing and cold darkness, blazing up warmth and light for peace and for hope and for joy and for love. Every word of God, the word of God himself, is true and is also it is still coming true. And Advent reminds us that God seeks us where we are right now, not where we should be by our own or anyone else's estimation. God seeks us out when we are in exile and when we are suffering, when we are callous and cowardly, when we are more concerned with common sense and faithfulness, when we are fearful and arrogant, when we are lost and broken, when we are sad and alone, when we are traumatized and wondering when the light will start to win when we feel forgotten and bored and insignificant and tired, when we are wounded and when we are the ones who are wounding. That's all of us. Oh, yes, in these days, God is seeking us out on the path and in that wilderness. Courage, take heart. God is here, right here. Emmanuel, God with us, alive and now. Don't be afraid. Prepare your hearts. If you have come for a while, you know that I love the name Emmanuel. I will never get over that God is with us. I will never get over the fact that God came to be with us. It's so overwhelming when I really start to think about it. And as hard as it is to sometimes feel that and know that, I pray that you could know that. And feel that and believe that this Advent season. I pray that you would know that peace. And I think it begins with knowing that thousands of years ago, a babe was born in Bethlehem. In a chaotic world much like the one we live in right now. And he did bring peace. He did bring peace. And even a small sliver of this peace that he brought is so mighty and so great. And that babe that came to be with us and bring us peace is truly with us and will come again. So I pray this season you can cling to the peace of Christ and that peace will get you going and keep you going. And all the while, Christ says, I am with you. Let us pray. God, at times, some people forget that this time isn't always so cheery and wonderful and full of joy. That, in fact, this season can be painful and reminders of things that have been lost, things that are broken. But I pray that maybe today, we are reminded of who Christ was sent to be. And that he truly lived up to it, exceeded it in fact. I pray that for us in the room, especially those that are going through really hard things, that your peace would be theirs. And that they would hold it in their hearts, in their hands. And they'd be able to make it one more day. We don't expect you to fix everything. But we are thankful that you fix us. So God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for your promises that are absolutely true may your peace be ours and may we give peace to others and it's in your name we pray amen